Clyde Design Board. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body of the SK system. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. It must be annihilated. Send Rick and Daddy on war rocket Ajax. In 2013, Ming the Merciless, ruler of the known universe, declares the Earth to immediate termination. To accomplish this awesome decree, Rick and Danny are dispatched to the planet on War Rocket Ajax. The two encountered something they never thought they'd find, though. Movies. Stalled in their given task, Rick and Denny comb the movies of the Earth, sending reports of their greatness back to Mungo in what is now called the Hail Ming Power Hour. Well, welcome, welcome back, Hail Ming listeners. We have a great show for you today because we're going to be talking about, you know, the master of Italian horror and psychotropic drugs, apparently. And uh, and also <laughs> our friend from across the pond, our, our, our comrade, our brother in arms, Duncan McLeish is here. I'm super excited about that. We, we all should be super excited. I mean, <laughs> excitement abound. And, uh, and and we're going to be talking about, uh, of course, you know Dario Argento and one of his uh, his better known one of his giallo films that uh, that so best um, defines his career. All that it's his, it's his best Christmas movie. It is his best Christmas movie. Yeah. Wait, I don't know that that's true. Does he have another Christmas movie? This is the Christmas movie, right? Opera? I mean, yeah. <laughs> sure. Mm. <laughs> hey, you introduced yeah. you introduced Duncan, but you had I was about to him. say, and I would be remiss <laughs> if I wasn't going to say my co-host, the uh, the person with the record button right now, who can probably I can turn edit you all off. of this out. That's right, Mr. Rick Morgan. How's it going, folks? You can count on my stool. Oh That's man, right. the ultimate Christmas movie with the one and only Duncan McLeish. <laughs> What's up, man? <laughs> I'm I'm very excited. Uh, if if ever there was a time to come back on the spaceship, it would be right right now. I think you, I think Danny mentioned it uh, like perfectly. Maybe I mean, if you ask me, my favorite Argento movie, I'm going Tenebrae. Is it his best? Yeah. Maybe not, but my favorite Tenebrae, hands down, every single day, twice on Sunday. So yeah, very excited to be here. That's exactly why we brought you on, because I knew for a fact this was your favorite one. And like I said, it's his best Christmas movie. Hey, if <laughs> if, if Spies Like Us can be a Christmas movie, so can Tenebrae. I was going to say, this... Hail me. This deep breath at the beginning, that is oh, Christmas, is it not? It does have a Christmas oh. scene. It's right at the very beginning. It is Christmas. I don't know if that technically allows you to class it as a Christmas movie, but there's a tree so 
Hey, they've been doing I mean, it with, with they've been doing it with uh, 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 what's the Die Hard? <laughs> like that. Well, it's like an office party, and I'm like, well, yeah, that's, lethal weapon, um, lethal <laughs> weapon, yeah, they run through a field of trees. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what we're saying. <laughs> I'm, we don't I'm either, gonna, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to argue it with anybody, but uh, I will say, for me, just because a movie takes place on Christmas doesn't make it a Christmas movie, and and you can have your own opinion, and you yep. can keep it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we're here to talk about 1982's Tenebrae. That's right. Also known as Unsane, which which I I can't decide if I like that name or not. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, if it's if it's good enough for for um, Tenebrae, it's good enough for Soderbergh because Soderbergh had a horror movie out two years ago called Unsane, and I was like, that's just going to get confusing. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Americans call it Tenebrae now. I, I, I'm guessing. I'm guessing the you know. It just sells better with that that sort of title. Maybe Tenebrae a bit a bit unpalatable for the American audiences back in the day. Um, so as a guess, I, I think you're exactly right because when we get to our synopsis, our 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 guest speaker does struggle with the name of the show. So yeah, it is an issue. Well, and, and I think the unsane uh, version of the movie was was an edit as well. Like Ten minutes yeah. were edited out, and apparently it didn't make a whole lot of sense. So maybe unsane <laughs> was was more of a you know a, a, a characterization of the the edited version. Sort of- yeah, they're, they're pretty good at that with our general movies. <laughs> like, like, yeah, we'll just we'll chop it up, and uh, it'll be it'll be fine. People are, people are just there for the blood anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> I think that's what they chopped out, though. Oh, all right. Oh, maybe. Because the Deep Reds, um, what did they call? Is it the Hatchet Murders? Deep Red, yeah. and I think that's what they called it in America. Right. And that just confused me. I was like, that. just call it Deep Red. I mean, yeah. I was like, well, he kills yeah. him with a hatchet. No, he doesn't. <laughs> There's hey, hatchet in that movie. I just did a Doctor movie where I had to explain why there is a Zombie 4 movie but there's not really a zombie two movie. <laughs> so, no one watches direct sequels, Ricky. No one watches. No. It's now cool just to go straight to three. So. Man, it's awesome to have you back on. It's been a long time, man. I'm glad you're back. <laughs> I, how long is it? Like, I was trying to work this out today, and um, I'm I'm getting older, which means the memory's starting to to not be as sharp as it was before. I, and I can't remember what the last episode I was on, but I think it was maybe in the fifties. But that was before you guys took your your break. Uh, I think it. I think it was on. episode fifty where we did the live show where we saw Ozzy bite the head off of Geezer <laughs> <Nice>. Butler. <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting Nam like flashbacks at the moment. So. So, 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 so coming back to me in waves. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great to be back. Like I say, um, I don't get the weird thing is in the interim, I don't get much opportunity to do much in the way of any guesting anymore. Um, the, the offers have dried up, and I think it's because people just assume that I'm too busy to chat to anyone now. And I'm not, I still have plenty of time. I don't sleep. So, well, when you crank out three shows a day, <laughs> it's kind of hard to shoehorn you in there. <laughs> I was, res- I resemble that comment. <laughs> you sure um, do, man. So- <laughs> so- 
I, I think everybody thinks Bo has dibs too. I mean, yeah, you guys yeah. have a special, a special relationship. He's 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 cornered. He's cornered. He's cornered me on that. I think he actually secretly goes round behind my back, strong arm another podcast not to make me. <laughs> I've seen the way you've been looking at my Duncan, and I don't like it. You don't um, get McLeish. Yeah, <laughs> so, makes sense. It's in the deal. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, but any any opportunity to take pot shots and bow on another show, though, which makes me happy. Bo's real silly, and he's dumb, and he's got a big <laughs> nose. <laughs> but he makes a good Santa Claus. He makes a great Santa Claus. I actually, I'd like, I saw I saw him dress as Santa Claus, and for a second, a double, a, one of those double takes, and I was like, is that actually Santa Claus? Yeah, perfect. And also, his, his beautiful girlfriend was with him, and Bo is punching above his weight. Yeah, quite a bit. So, and I can't wait to tell him because it's the first time I've seen a picture of his girlfriend. And um, I, I might have to sit down and have a word with her and just say, Are "You okay? <laughs> so, run, <laughs> run." <laughs> so, what was he told you he does for a living? Because I'm is it a Wall Street banker. Because he's not. He's, just to make sure. Just to make sure. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, no, excellent to be here. Our gentle, like. Yeah. In my, if I had a Mount Rushmore, I think Carl Gentle would be in my Mount Rushmore of horror directors uh, for sure. Um, and even though, you know, his career tapered off, guys, I don't know if you know this, he's, he's not done much in the last 20 years worth thinking about. Um, like, the, the yeah, the, I, I still count his run from 1970 to maybe even up to 91. I would include, yeah, up to 91 as maybe one of the most consistently awesome runs in horror ever. Yeah. So, yeah, 20 years. 20 years of great movies, 30 years of bad movies. You can wait out. I mean, not everyone has 20 years of great movies. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. But if you look through pretty much any director's career, though, even like, I mean, Ridley yeah. Scott's even kind of coming back a little bit, but you you kind of hit those heydays, and you've got this incredible run, and then then you kind of start, you know. Mm. know. Your voice gets, yeah. I think that my 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 way of always looking at it is, I think directors, the the ones that are successful, have a voice that resonates with an audience at that time, and unless that voice changes over time, what right. happens is it becomes less important to the 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 audience because the demographic that directors are looking for. Are that kind of teenage market to you know your your forties? That's that's kind of where the big bucks are spent in movies. Um, if your audience grows up with you, then as diminishing returns each time. And Argento, weirdly, is one of the few directors that never really changed. Like he never even tried to change. It was yeah. just like this is what I do, and he went through. And and after a while, um, no one wants to pay for those movies anymore, which is why you get some of the worst CGI in movie <laughs> history all the way through the 2000s with what it puts out. So, right. um, yeah, it becomes a, a kind of victim of his own success to an extent. But that being said, what was awesome just now is just the sheer amount of directors that are now out in the business just crediting him wholeheartedly for yeah. the stuff they're doing. You only have to go and see a movie like Malignant this year by James Wan to see that Argento is all over that movie it's tearing oh, yeah. all over that movie so yeah i mean it's it's kind of cool and he's got a new movie he's working on and i don't know if i want to go and see it um and he's got a, he's, he's uh, starring in the new uh, gaspar noe role he's got a he, i think he's a lead actor in that and apparently it's a very heartfelt role he's playing as well and it's going to make us all cry and uh yeah and he also made movies that are 
<laughs> it was so bloody and so violent oh, yeah. um, that it makes it makes me immensely happy with dogs that can leap over walls that are what, <laughs> 20, 20 foot high <laughs> for no reason. So it's yeah. amazing. I love it. I love yeah. it. That's that's the beauty of the Italian cinemas, and, and I say this all the time: you're gonna see something in these movies, even if you don't like the movie. You're gonna yeah. see something you don't see anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Except maybe uh, they, in they, Spain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, 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 um, they really push things, and I I kind of love that. It's, it's not only that, like the visuals are always incredible, and yeah. then they give you something that just defies logic. That you're, you even get to the point where you're like, did I mean, was that even written in the script? Or are we just making yeah. this up as we're going along, lads? Um, and I think it's a good chance that there's, they're, they're making it up. It was long. Argento, I was going to say, Argento gets the... Rightly or wrongly, Argento gets uh, a lot of flack for really taking zero interest in his actors. Um, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and yeah, he has no no interest in the performances or whatnot. And Tenebri, maybe out with Phenomena, is the last one where I think he manages to cast good actors in yeah. great roles, um, performing really, really well. And then after that, he doesn't care. He's like that. I have my camera, you have your lines, you do your thing. I'll do my thing, and never the twain shall meet. Right. <laughs> All right. Did you so, say he's going to be in a oh. Gaspar No film? Yes. <laughs> okay. Just, just yeah. gotta <laughs> make sure I heard that right. right. I think it, I think I, I think it's called the if memory serves. I think it's called the Vortex, um, and it's the movie. A lot of people don't know this. Gaspar Noe almost died. Um, a year ago, he, he disappeared off the map for about a year and he had something wrong with his brain. He basically was in um, critical condition and he said that, you know, it was a very, very good chance that he would no longer be with us. And he came out the other side and decided to, instead of making movies about like hardcore techno and drug taking, he decided to make a, like a, like a kind of introspective, serious movie about the frailty of life and cast Dario Argento in it. So I, I'm intrigued. It's got me totally like, yeah. If, yeah. If anyone can do it, he can do it. So I, I can't wait to see what that looks like. But I, I mean, it's either going to be one of the best things I've ever seen or utter trash. Um, and either way, I'll be happy. So. <laughs> and your next stop, Argento, is go make a movie with Neil Breen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But like, he's, the, he's the one of the few directors that I'm surprised, like, like a like an Amazon or a Netflix or something hasn't went to him and said, "Yeah, here's just here's a here's a, just a, a bag of cash. Go and do something crazy." Yeah, I mean they've kind yeah, of been doing that. It's like you're missing the opportunity because we're not going to have him a whole lot longer. Well, this is it. You, you know, he's a, he's a, he is a frail old man now, and yeah. I think well, we'll see what he's, he's he is working on a new movie. We'll see what that looks like. It's yeah. it's not good. Anyone that goes in expecting um, like greatness, it's not going to be great. But like Ricky said, the there will be something in it that defies logic because sure. every single movie that man has ever made has a scene in it where you're like. <laughs> Did I fall asleep or something? Did I blink? How did? <laughs> yeah, every single one of them. So yeah, it'll be absolutely. Amazing. All right. So in honor of Duncan coming back, we've got our celebrity to come back. He's he's been gone for a while too, but we have to do our synopsis. The one and only crappy Christopher Walken. Ow, Tambourine, a 1982 film. Mystery, thriller, a horror movie. 
directed and written by Dario Agito. <laughs> the movie is about the successful American writer from Rhode Island, Peter Neal, who travels from New York to Rome to, pr to promote his bestseller, Tambouré. Oh, that's the title of the film. He is received by his agent, Bulmer, that schedules an interview in a talk show. As soon as Peter arrives, there's this murder of a shoplifter and Detective Dermady is assigned to the case. He meets Peter and tells that the killer was inspired by his novel to commit the crime, Voodoo Magic. Peter receives a letter from the murderer and sooner two women are murdered. The killer writes that perverts must be eliminated and Peter's expects of the host of the show. However, when you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains might be the truth. It stars a great cast of people like Anthony Franciscos, John Saxon, and the lovely Daria Nicolod and Gilligan Jumena. Good film. Go watch it. Oh. I mean, these pronunciations are probably about as good as mine, to be fair. So, <laughs> he who lives in glass houses do not throw stones. So. It's almost like he was reading the children's book version of the movie. And that's when he has an interview at the TV station. <laughs> a pop-up book, obviously a pop-up book. Um, yeah, I mean, that, I mean... It's not the worst synopsis I've, I've read. <laughs> it's a little long. Just a little long. <laughs> I think Nicolas Cage did the worst synopsis. He, he didn't even talk about the movie. Right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> All yeah. right. Danny, you know the drill. What's your number one reason to watch this masterpiece, Tenebrae? And so as I'm, I might go in order, but instead of going in order, I am going to give you my number one reason to watch Tenebrae. My, my number one reason up first, and it'll come up often, is John Saxon, man. <laughs> of course. <laughs> John Saxon is just the gift that keeps on giving in this movie. It's like he's got the hat. He's got the girl. He's, he's got the Stevie Love interest. He's got all the snappy lines. I, I mean... There's a lot to love about Tenebrae, but but there's also a lot to love about John Saxon in Tenebrae. I purposely did not put him on my list because I knew it was going to be like five on yours. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, it stays on. That's not coming off my head. <laughs> I mean, we all look for when we buy a snappy hat. Heck yeah, <laughs> man. You want to try it on? No, 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 no. It's okay. No, because right. we've just seen you run now your head and it's not come off. So I'm now concerned if I try hey. and take off your head, your head's going to come with it. That's yeah. right. That's right. He takes off the head. His head just rolls off. That's the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like right. the Green Knight. What? <laughs> they should have right. they, they, they they missed an opportunity here for him to wear a berry and call the movie Tenneberry. Um <laughs> <laughs> All right, somebody who's serious about this movie, Duncan, give us a reason that we should check out Tenebrae. Um, my number one reason for checking out Tenebrae is, and this should surprise no one, there is an incredible crane shot in this movie, um, which has been copied by almost every director worth their salt. Um, yeah. And not only is it just this incredible one-shot movement crane, but it's done to... 
the theme of the movie perfectly timed to the theme of the movie that the camera moves from one side and you see all the the movements of the killer entering while she see the people in the house is is maybe one of my favorite shots in cinema full stop and argento does it out of nowhere in the movie doesn't try and recreate it later on doesn't revisit anything like it and it's not even the best kill in the movie he just just puts it in for giggles and the fact of, I mean, she's playing the record on the record player too. So it's almost yeah, like the soundtrack is being played so in the house, and and then you oh. go through this this shot down yeah. to seeing the killer cutting the blinds to get in mm-hmm. through the window. I mean, it's just it's like I don't, yeah, I don't think people like nineteen eighty two. Like, I, yeah. like these things, these things are now done using CGI. You know, you would you you would digital photography. You would have your camera going all places that it couldn't possibly go. He did this all with a crane, and crane like the, the 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 actual <clears throat> work that must have went into doing that is incredible. So yeah, it's as it's my number one reason. If anyone ever asked me for you know like why should I watch Tenebrae, I, that's there is a kill in it where the camera work is maybe the best in Italian cinema. So yeah, there you go. Very much so. Yeah, Danny, I see you over there like you want to say something. Oh, you know, I was just going to say that, you know, from a from a Kill Bill Volume 1 yeah. with the with the continuous shot that goes up into the rafters and down the hallway and and on the stairs. Um and you know, Quentin Tarantino has has said that he, you know, 100% was influenced by, you know, Dario Argento. Of course, Tarantino is is unabashed about telling you that that he's stolen all of his best ideas yeah, yeah. and just thrown his own stamp on them. Yeah, but you know, but to his credit, he will tell you who he stole from. Um, yeah. I was just gonna say, yeah, and, and I think we saw an interview with Argento where he talked about the remote control camera that he yeah. used to do that shot. That's um, nuts. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like the thing is, is is basically like Hitchcock had already pioneered a lot of that, and then what Argento does is he takes because that's what the Italian directors did. They they took the kind of the, the techniques of Hitchcock and then just like flexed them out. And then mm-hmm. <laughs> it just, it's weird. Like America sets the standard for it. Italy rips it off essentially, improves on it. And then you get the next wave of American. De- you get Brian De Palma basically ripping off no Argento yeah. <laughs> um, to do the same thing. So it comes full circle right back around. Even uh, three years ago, uh, there's a movie called Assassination Nation, which everyone should check out. It's amazing. Um, and in that, there is a full shot with a home invasion and the camera work is tenebrae. It's like it's it's the whole setup is tenebrae. And it, it's yeah, it's still it's still working, it's still working its way through. I think if you're a director and you see something like that, first you try and work out how it's done and then you try and you try and recreate it. So it's cool. Right. Awesome. I'm I'm gonna link my first two together right here. Mm. Being that we're being all artsy fartsy here about oh, the greatness of this crafty. film. Yeah. Yeah. John so, Saxon. John Saxon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got my number one reason is in 1982, Italy was a bra free zone. <laughs> Apparently. I mean, the only girl that's wearing a, a bra in this movie is Daria Nicolodi or whatever Christopher yeah. Walken called her a while ago. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't our name, though. Uh, <laughs> so I got that. And also, the other reason is Ania Pironi is hot. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, oh. yeah. 
Lord of mercy. That yeah, there's, there's no bars like that in, in Scotland. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, too cold over here. It's too cold over here. Yeah. You can't, you can't, um, you can't get that. Yeah. Oh she, my God. She's mm. stunning, man. And just, you know, and it doesn't help that she's playing kind of a, you know, slutty shoplifter, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. There's my reasons, folks. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I mean, out of the three of us, I think Ricky came with the best one, to be honest. Nice. So, I'm speaking biased, you know, obviously, but I, I think I've, <laughs> Yeah, he brought boobs to the the equation. Yeah. I wasn't. Well, I mean, that. you know, we read Playboy for the articles, right? I mean, always, always. Uh, <laughs> how right, I to make, as how, as how I learned to make my patented banana loaf <laughs> in Playboy. I bet you did. <laughs> banana something. I, my next reason to watch Tenebrae. My next reason to watch Tenebrae is murderous homeless people getting their fingers slamming gates. <laughs> Yeah. Wait, what, what is, what is, that, is this a real problem in Italy that like you're walking down the street and some homeless zombie just starts attacking you all the time? It, it's, it's like because it, she looks at him or whatever and he's like, and, and then yeah. what did she laugh at him or did she didn't even he just starts chasing her down the street like like she's straight in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. She she rings his bells twice, though, man. She gets she gets him one with the high heel shoe and once with the knee. Yeah. So, yeah. There's some high heel attackery going on. Here's the deal, though. If I met her, I'd probably do the exact same thing. I'd be like, (laughs) 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 well, you better hope she doesn't have a gate because that looked like it really hurt. (laughs) Yeah. She's pretty deadly with that gate. Mm hmm. So you lose Uh, a finger or two. Well, I mean, she slams it with all of the, with all the fervor that she can't manage to, to muster when she's trying to turn the damn key. Yeah, you know, it's like I can't get the key to work, but when I get it open, I'm gonna slam this bad boy, and your knuckles are gonna hurt. Yeah. Also, like, uh, not not that I stalk or try and sneak up on any, any women, um, but I will say if you are gonna do that, the the best way to do it is not to telegraph it by going. Yeah, um, you know, I mean that's. It's a dead oh, giveaway. I'm going to get you. <laughs> that yeah. might be. It's a dead giveaway. You might be a creep. I'm just right. saying. So. Uh, all right, Duncan, what you got, man? Um, second reason is I think this might be the only Jallo, and I'm fully prepared for someone to pull some very obscure animal color Jallo out of nowhere against me. But <laughs> I think this might be the only Jallo that does a double fake. Uh, in the way that this does, in that there are two killers in this movie. Um, and the, you know, the second killer um, uses the first killer's MO as a way to get away with something that he is doing. And I yeah. can't think of any other Jalo that does that. And it's very much against Argento's kind of his template that he set out when he made Bird with the Crystal Plumage, it was always always very much, there's a trauma in the past, that trauma will somehow be triggered when this person is an adult and they will go on and do murders in the, in the vein of whatever the trauma was before, which is the case in this one, mm-hmm. but the original bout of murders that you see are not related to that, and that's why the flashbacks you get to um, like the the younger kids and the and the woman, um, 
when you get those, they don't trigger in until after an event triggers that later in the movie. It's, yeah. it's maybe his smartest movie. Like overall, I think is and maybe his smartest movie, and um, that you just don't see. And that's I think for a lot of people that that's one a hurdle that people get over. I think at times people don't understand that there's actually two killers operating, even though it says it in the movie and it's obvious. But um, the second the second reason is that I think it's so against how Argento generally does it that. I think it, it genuinely shocked people to see that at the end. So yeah, that's that's my reason. I think it's like entirely far too clever to be uh, a Jalo slasher in nineteen eighty two. So yeah, I, I even say on my list that um, the precursor to Scream. I mean, Scream kind of takes this idea and flips it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking the same thing. That's that's kind of the brilliance of this movie is. You haven't seen this before that I know of either yeah. in any movie. And changing it up this way like he did is the equivalent of, you know, uh, our hero in Psycho getting killed off first thing in the movie. So, you know, it, it just really throws you for a loop because it's breaking the formula. Yeah, and a lot of respects what he's doing because the movie itself is, and this might be one of your points, so I'll try not, I'll try not labor it too much. Yeah. Um, he was he, like Argento got as a director was constantly hit with heavy criticism about being a misogynist, right? Um, who like reveled in you know the murder of women on screen for some reason. Like Argento always got targeted with it, and he's not the worst offender for Italian seventies horror directors. There's like so yeah. many more, but he always he was the poster child because he was the most famous and tenebrae in a lot of respects is in some respects is him addressing that through yeah. the Peter Neal character but also it says a lot about Argento's humour that ultimately at the end of the day the character that's being maligned as the person that glorifies violence is the one that ultimately at the end of the day um, becomes a killer <laughs> so yeah. I, I don't know what that says I don't know what that says about him like Argento in every movie uh, the black glove that you see killed someone is Argento's hand so he's very yeah. very hands on with that but uh, <laughs> yeah I think filming <laughs> uh, but yeah I, it's like I, I don't know what that says about him overall like as a director he's commentary because he starts one way and goes the other way but as yes uh, I mean it's, like it's it's dripping with a bit of contempt for how um how he was perceived as a director, but at the same time it's so playful and so fun with it. It's hard not to love it. So yeah, and it even plays back to even even to Danny's shirt. I mean the whole Sutter Kane idea, right? Because mm. it's you know Stephen King getting involved in you know something that's happening because of something he created and that's that's yeah. such a fascinating idea the making it so meta mm-hmm. Uh, yeah that's it's brilliant man it really is it's a brilliant idea oh where are we at is that me it's you hey i've got and this is kind of a change too i mean we're talking about the brilliance of this film but Argento really changes his color palette in this movie too we're going yeah. for more of the pastels we're getting away from the shocking bright colors. Um, it's very sleek. Mm. And even to me, just watching it, this movie seems to flow, I think, a lot better 
than some of the earlier stuff, even though I love Deep Red is my favorite. But yep. there's this one is put together so well. And again, the color palette is something so different. It's very sleek, very 80s. I don't know, man. It's it's a home run. Uh, well, it's just one of those things that really bright. stood out. Yeah. It's very bright. I mean, a lot of the action happens during the day. Mm-hmm. And and even the nighttime scenes are always in well-lit, almost artificial, you know, backdrops. I mean, there's nothing spectral or or you know esoteric about it. It's very real life. And it's very, like you said, it's very well lit and and a lot of whites and and not a lot of colors. Yeah. Um, and it's it's it had to have been intentional. Sure. Again, well, you know, I, like you said, kinda, he, go ahead. I was gonna say, you get, like when you look at like this is this is 1982. Um, Inferno is 1980 or 81. I'm trying to remember. And Inferno is maybe the most colorful movie he made. It's even more colorful than Suspiria. I get a feeling that there's only so far you can take that. And a lot of these colors ended up being really linked to like kind of dream logic, like the reason Suspiria is lit right. the way it is and the reason that Inferno is lit the way it is, is there is that element of is it a dream, is it a fairy tale, is it a fantasy? I find that that's a smart move to strip all that out when you come to like the closest you get to is the the kind of flashback scenes but like even as you said all the flashback scenes are set during the day at the beach yeah <clears throat> so right. they're all like are at a pool so they're all like super bright super, super colorful but that allows them those whites it's, it's like something he never quite like understood in the 70s and i don't understand it there is an arterial spray in this movie which i'm sure we're gonna get to which is one of the best ever but as a character wearing a white dress and it's a white wall, and the red is Argento red. Um, and it just looks so much better when you have it like that. Um, it's just it's so much crisper, cleaner, and grounds it. I, it really, it really does ground it. Um, everything in this movie is is crystal clear, which is the reason that even when they released it in a I think it was back when they did the original Blu-ray release of it. It already looked incredible, and every release I've done in a higher resolution since has been like, I mean, I mean, it's already incredible. It's like, can the whites get any whiter? Um, so yeah, I think I think it's I think it's a really good point because you jump from this one into uh, Phenomena, mm-hmm. which is his next movie, and he it's got Dream. It's got dream logic and all the rest. So he almost does a turn back again. He's like, right. well, I've done that movie. It looked that way. Right back to the stuff that I know. So. But, yeah, this, this is kind of a return to, to those first three films, right? That kind of form, mm. just the straight straight giallo-type films. So, yeah, I, I thought it was a return of that. It, it almost makes, man, man, those first three movies, if they could have looked like this one, yeah. wow. You know, and, but that's... You know, that's the times changing. He becomes this great icon and can do this stuff now. And, and this is what we get. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it very possibly could be his best work as a movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it was funny. And through through the conversation so far, you know, Duncan said that his favorite is Tenebrae. And you just said that your favorite was, was, uh, <clears throat> Deep, was Red. Deep Red. My my favorite's got to be Phenomena. Yeah. <laughs> you just nice. mentioned it like I did. There's just something about the the payoff in that one is just oh, yeah. so incredible. <laughs> um, it's a bonkers and, you know, movie. It really is. It's absolutely nuts. <laughs> it is, and you know, it's just everything about the parts in that movie that are great are great. 
And the rest of them just kind of carry you to the next great part. I mean, I'm going to say that the whole movie is like riveting, but the parts that, that are intended to get you going, uh, man, they, they, they take you on a ride. Mm. Are, are you saying it's kind of like the words to a BG song? It's like a song <laughs> from the peaches. Yeah. We, is there any reason for this? Um, <laughs> hey, matter of fact, uh, stop your, your, your gibberish and go ahead and tell us your next reason to watch the movie. <laughs> and I told you it was going to come up again and it's coming up again they almost run off with John Saxon's hat yeah it's on that cart it's wheeling away John Saxon's like hey wait my hat that's a reason right there I mean you know, what's going on in the other room is you got crazy talking to you know Peter Neal well don't you think some people just need, need to get killed well I, I wouldn't say that <laughs> wouldn't you just kill him no yeah, that's going on over here but John Saxon has his own movie with the hat that's important <laughs> that other guy's name is John as well John Steiner so mm-hmm. you can just- <laughs> <laughs> I just I think that maybe some people should be killed. Don't you think so? Don't you think that some people need to be killed? Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't put it that way. Yeah. Well, you're a Catholic, right? Yeah. Peter Neal's like Peter Neal's like maybe this interview, maybe this interview should be killed. That's what I was coming out thinking right now. Let's give me get like, this guy out of here. That's, that's really interesting. Where's John Saxon? Yeah. Oh, he's after that hat again, isn't he? Uh, I have no sense of smell. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, Duncan, back at you, man. Um, going right to the very, very, very end of this movie, mm. Daria Nicolodi screaming as the trail as the credits roll. Oh my god! Is because she just left with that, and she just keeps screaming as well. She screams her lungs out. I don't want to know how many takes she had to do. Um. <laughs> Because like Argento at this point is like very much a sadist towards her. He puts her through quite a lot of stuff in his movies uh, before he turned his attention to his daughter and then did the same to her. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's um, like the 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 end of her just standing there, kind of you know drenched uh, and like hands on the ears, screaming her lungs out, and then credits and she's still screaming. And that's do you imagine going to see this in the cinema? And that's what you're left with. <laughs> yeah. Like there was a, there was a there was a time period where like Mario Bava, like if you watch um if you watch things like uh, uh Black Sunday, yeah. like like in the Italian cut of Black Sunday, Bava like at the end you've got um you've got uh, uh Boris, Boris Karloff Karloff. and he's yeah he's on he's on the horse and he's riding and he's cackling all the way, and then the camera pulls back and you actually see that it's actually an animatronic thing he's on and people are running around with trees and all the rest this is the Italian cut so like they're all running around and he shows you how they create the lightning and all the rest and the whole point of that is regardless how scared you've been throughout this entire movie it's just a movie movie. it's just a movie and he does that right through even when you watch something like Bay of Blood it ends on a kind of comical note and that's that is the Bava way the Bava way is he wants his audience to walk out well, kind of spring in their step. You know, it's yeah. been fun watching this movie. Argento, hard no. Like, <laughs> like he goes like the other way. Like you, like you, you have been watching Suspiria. Yes, yes, I have. Uh, you have been watching Daria Nicolodi scream her lungs out. Yes, I'm terrified. Um, it's it's such a 
because the terror never ends, and I think that's the I think that's the beauty of the ending of the movie is yet like oh, it's just passed on to someone else. Like she is maybe one of the few movies where it was something like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, right at the end where you see how broken she is on that van. Um, very few movies when you think about this, very few horror movies does the quote unquote final girl actually end up broken at the end, considering they've all went through. Like, Hollywood likes to try and tie it up that they're going to be fine and they're going to meet up with their friends or someone survived that you didn't expect and they're going to have a one-liner. Um, and real life isn't like that. And Argento doubles down on that in, in probably the best possible way. As, as, as Once again, like, if, if you know, it's got one of my, my favourite crane shots uh, in, in movie history, it's got one of my favourite endings in movie history. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I've, I've just got two words on the end of mine. It just says killer artwork, and I don't mean the poster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's I give my left arm for that. Um, so, <laughs> such a good effect. So, uh, going back to uh, this is something I, for some reason, I've just kind of missed when I watched this several times, but. We all know, you know, the story of we, we've got a, a serial killer that's killing people based off of the book Tenebrae. They're going right. through and they're murdering people based off of what happens in the book. But I never put it together that every person that they're going after to kill are all the same person. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're brunettes that are kind of easy, slutty women. Every one of them have the exact same traits. And the only the only girl that that is different is the one that stumbles into his house and figures out everything. Yep. But all the rest of them, the ones that he is targeting, are all the same. And I've never picked up on that before. Yeah, they all they all look very much alike. They also, on some level, um, like hair color wise, uh, resemble Daria Nicolodi. So. Um, which I think is also that's how gentle to me having oh, yeah. fun. You know, like he's been criticised that way in the past, so he's gonna lean into that in the film that he does. But yeah, like you have like there's a weird attention to detail and and the aspects of the serial killing as well. Um, that I'd, and that's how you can tell. That's a clear point that you can tell there's two killers uh, in the movie, yeah. and it, like you you get that. And once you once you grab that, because that's it. Like when you see the flashback stuff. As well, the you know the the woman that dies in that, um, she kind of looks the same. So the yeah. assumption is it's a red herring. It's a, a smart red herring to make you think, oh well, that's the mo. The mo is the person that tormented them. So that's that's how that works. It's funny you say yeah. that. I've got I've got red herrings and red high heels. Yes, because <laughs> those heels make the playing field totally level for everybody. Oh, yeah. When you get down to it, so it, it really does keep you going. I don't know. Yep. Likes, <laughs> that's about the closest you get to that red. You know those garish colours that you're talking about before is the the red right. of the blood and the red of the shoes. So yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Well, I guess there's the interviewer too, who was who was going yeah, who was going full tilt on Peter Neal. Um, she's not quite the easy one, but she's gay, right? Like. Yeah. That's yeah. her girlfriend, and that's her son in the book. So yeah, and, well, so that that gives her. both Peter Neal and the interviewer. You know, you you get a feeling that he's kind of a kind of a bigot. So mm -hmm. you know, he he's and he says something about you know, well, gay people get killed in your book, and it's because they're unclean, and you know, so you've got that. But also, 
she was attacking him. It's like, well, you know me. And she's like, Hey, but why are your books like this? You know? And, and uh, so, so she's a little bit off track, but she also is there to give you two motives for two of the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the sure. prime suspects. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I, I like that scene as well, because I like he, like when he's, when he's basically saying to her, you know, like what are you doing? We're friends and all the rest. That, like that's once again that's I think that's Argento's commentary on he was like you remember he was a journalist he's a, he was the darling of a, he was a rock star in Italy he he like genuinely he would be swarmed walking down the street by fans adoring fans of him he was that much but very quickly that became a why is he why is he killing all these women in these movies and why is he doing this and all that so they, they got, from his perspective people that were once you know, uh, lavishing a lot of praise on him, we're asking him questions he wasn't comfortable with, um, or assuming he was doing things for certain reasons. So it's a weirdly personal movie as well, which feels weird to say that, considering a woman's arm gets chopped off. Um, but there's a, you know, it's a weirdly personal movie for him. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Well, considering like, the end, I just yeah. don't know that that's a great personal movie to be putting out. There. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know like, if you'd ask Daria Nicolodi like after they broke up. I'm sure she loved the end. So. <laughs> right, <laughs> <laughs> right. You, yeah, you can always tell where the relationship was because you just see oh, yeah. her s- slowly going down the slope of being the heroine, hero of everything, and yep. then coming down to. Yeah, you get shot Phenomenal. in the eye. Yeah, yeah. you get shot in the eye <laughs> from a bullet that goes through a peephole. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, but by, by the end, it's just like, <laughs> did you read the script? <laughs> like, oh, don't worry, honey. You just get stabbed in the face a bunch of. You get slashed in the face by a chimpanzee. <laughs> it's it, it'll make total sense. <laughs> that movie, man. Honestly. <laughs> So I was I was talking with Lois about this because I, I, after watching Tenebrae, I was like, you know, Phenomena is probably my, my favorite. And uh, I said, because you can kind of put on the last 10 minutes and they say, well, I need to watch the rest of the movie to see what's going on. And it's like, no, no, it, it no, wouldn't no, help. You <laughs> it wouldn't help. You still wouldn't know what's going on. Just, just watch and enjoy. <laughs> you got anything else, Danny? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Spit them um, out. <laughs> I'm just gonna, you know, reason for me to watch the movie is Detective Germani, man. Oh yeah, you got Detective Germani always drinks on duty. <laughs> I, I really, I really like this guy. You know, I watched it last night and I watched it again in preparation tonight, kind of, kind of skipping through. And I really like, I like his style. He's he's a uh, he's pensive. He, he's in the middle of this, but he wants to believe that his favorite author isn't. But, you know, all these things are pointing toward it and he's kind of trying to stay objective. And I think the guy, you know, the, the, the actor who plays him um, does, a, does a fantastic job of, of really playing this part that, that is a really subtle part. You know, mm-hmm. he, doesn't, he doesn't have the Peter Neal breakdown at the end where he's laughing and, <laughs> you know, he's, the whole way through, he's got to be like, I kind of knew this was the the obvious conclusion, but I wanted to believe that it was the least obvious conclusion, and that's where the the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle you know line yeah. comes in because it's right. like, you know what, this should have been obvious from the beginning, right? To all of you, to yeah. all of you. With the- <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> like you're in a you know in a castle film or something. You're getting shocked from your seat. You know, it's yeah. like all of you should have known. <laughs> oh, Duncan, what yeah. you got? Um, I like the 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 fake death of oh. Peter Neal. Oh, oh, ah, yeah, it's so good. It's <laughs> so good. And the only thing that makes it better is his return yeah. behind the character. Yeah. Oh man, the lightning strike! It's just there's there's something weirdly there's, that's to me that's as close as you get to gothic horror from Argento, like that whole scene with the person behind him and the lightning's cracking down and he's standing there maniacally. The lighting, the way it is, is kind of up, so it's under his eyes. Yeah, it's just amazing. You imagine, right? Yeah. You imagine going once again. You go and see this movie. And you, you're all, you're all up on your jello. You know what you're, you know what you're going to see. You've seen a, you've seen Argento before. You've seen Deep Red, so you've seen the definitive jello. Deep Red is the definitive jello, right? So you've seen it. It's the one where he's perfected everything he's ever going to do. He's, he's worked out all the kinks all the way right through it. You get to that movie, that's the pinnacle. You go and see his next movie. Firstly, you go and see that movie, expecting it to be the conclusion of the Three Mothers trilogy because he called it Tenebrae. Um, that's the, the last right. name of the three mothers, which he doesn't right. give you for over 20 years. Um, so like, but instead you're going to see like a slasher Jallo movie, but you've sat through these before, you know what you're getting with our general, right? And you get through that, you find that there's not only one killer, there's two killers. And when that second killer's apprehended, apprehended, he's so distraught, he kills himself, case closed, book him Dano, everything's fine. And then you get that reveal. You get, I, I absolutely yeah. love it. It's, I'm, I'm telling you, he is firing on all cylinders right across this entire movie, right to the very end. Like that last 20 minutes yep. is about as good as our general gets hands down. And I love, I love Detective Germani is in the car yeah. and he says, everything's fine now. Everything's all right. And when he says it, you go, oh, no, it's not. Yeah, and he not. goes, "Oh no, it's not." Like <laughs> you're re realizing it when he is, because whenever somebody says everything's fine, you know it's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were saying something, Rick. I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, from the point where where Jane gets the axe, from there on, because it all takes place in that one yeah. in her apartment or whatever yeah. it is. It's just like, like you said, firing on all cylinders, man. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it plummets you down and you're just sitting there going, wow. Well, you you genuinely don't know how it's, I think that's the thing. Like all, all Jallos have, have a, a bit of surprise at the end when the killer's, it's mostly when the killer's revealed, right? Yeah. And you're like, all right, he did it. That doesn't make any sense. I'll need to watch this movie twice again. No, it still doesn't make any sense. But okay, whatever. Um, Argento's ones, the killer always dies horribly. Always that like mm. always dies horribly if it's cat nine tails he's gonna fall down an elevator <laughs> shaft yeah trying to hold on <laughs> you know it's, it's always like a, you know deep red their head's gonna be chopped off by an elevator oh. um <laughs> tenebrae it's like oh well he's it's death by suicide right that's i mean it was gruesome it's an open it's it's the weapon of the jello it's the open straight razor across the thing. that's cool and all this time we have we have completely neglected the most dangerous bit of sculpture ever created to man. <laughs> like, it's like there's no way you would, like you couldn't have a kid in the house with that. 
In fact, yeah. like you could, like you couldn't have it. Like you, you imagine stumbling in from a drunk night out, and that's in your hallway. <laughs> Death. Like, de- like, 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 is is that sharp looking? That when I look at it, I get cut. So yeah. that's that how sharp gets it is. the. He gets the Ming treatment too, you know. Yeah. It goes all the way through yeah. his body, and he's trying to pull it out. Yeah, no. Just and then the, and you, you can just tell everyone's having a ball there because there's more blood. And then cue the scream, and yeah. then the, it's amazing, man. It's absolutely amazing. Is it deep red where the person also like? Rolls down the street on something and gets run over by a bus. <laughs> no, that's um, I'd yeah. say four flies in Greyville. Well, no, he's talking about where uh, uh, Marco stumbles out into the street, gets hit by a garbage yeah. truck. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, he man. gets he, right. So Marco gets like that's. I suppose. I suppose that like that's because, the, that's the red herring in that movie. Do you think Marco's right, the killer? Right. Yeah. And he's not, he's, but he, yeah, he dies horribly. He's an innocent as well, but he dies horribly by yeah. death by truck. And his mum, who is the killer, her chain gets trapped. In, oh man. Trapped yeah, I remember the, yeah. I well, severs her head. said that. And then I was like, but, but in, and it threw me for a minute because then I was like, but wait, in deep red, he gets, but it's because it's Marco and he's the, yeah. 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 Four flies in grey velvet, the, the killer gets. <laughs> This is the it's one of the worst ones, but it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like something from a from a comedy. Um is is trying to make an escape and a vehicle is passing, and the vehicle has a chain dragon from the back of it, which catches the back of their leg and then drags them down the street to their death. And it is so it comes out in nowhere. Comes out yeah. of absolutely nowhere. And you're just like, Well, I suppose he's dead. <laughs> Yeah, so it's so good. And then so Daria good. Nicoletti starts, starts just screaming. Yeah, she's she's like <laughs> just screams, screams. Uh, every every movie should end with a Daria Nicoletti. They should replace the Wilhelm scream with the Daria Nicoletti scream. And then well, the chimpanzee know, the, gets in Jennifer Connelly's lap. I was thinking <laughs> credits. Well, when you said that about the scream ending the movie and kind of continuing the horror out mm. of the framework of the story. I said, well, yeah, and they had the perfect opportunity to bring the movie out the way they brought it in with the soundtrack. And then I realized it doesn't start with the soundtrack. Mm. It starts with the reading of the book. Right. So it both enters like, you know, it enters kind of, it kind of feeds this reality in the music, the movie music starts and the movie starts and then it feeds the reality out. But yeah. This, but the screen continues yeah. on into the music, and and yeah. I, I hadn't really thought of that until you mentioned that. Now all of a sudden, it's becoming your favorite Argento. You're welcome, Danny. <laughs> You're welcome. That's that's why these are such good talks. Good talks. Hey, man. And, and again, I mean, just the soundtrack alone, man. Because yeah. oh, I know, yeah. I mean, it's that's 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 one of the best title tracks ever. Uh, it's just it's brilliant. And it's after the first kind of the first. Breakup, so to yep. speak. They never properly broke up at this time period, but this is the first breakup of Goblins. So this is Simonetti doing Simonetti. his own thing. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is like Simonetti saying, "All right, I'll just do your soundtrack." For you. And it's it's so good. It's it's like everything's just so good, and it's disco as well. It's like oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a disco track he's writing, so you know you're in, you know you're moving, you're transitioning to not only it's a different that kind of proggy rock things, not the thing you put on your movies anymore. It needs to be disco and upbeat and dancey, <laughs> and he takes it right into that. It's um, it just it just works with the weird how wow how wow 
it's just what is this <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like an asthmatic with a harmonica yeah <laughs> in the business they call that a vocoder that's right so yeah i, I saw him live I, I saw him live a few years ago oh. and um it, it was him with his touring band so not it was a uh, simonetti's goblin and not goblin um and so basically it's him up there playing with people like maybe 25 30 years younger than him but they're all like they all adore him they're like all in reverence you know in reverence of what he's doing and um he has a huge build up to doing that where he's you know the vocoding out to the crowd like just he's has a meeting at the palm of the hands and then like all goes quiet and then like out of nowhere and it's it's phenomenal it's phenomenal it's just yeah. great he's amazing yeah i got to meet him and dario were both at texas frightmare mm, a few a years ago man. so yeah man. man to have both of them right there sitting close to each other too so that was mm-hmm. that was he was very nice you know i expect him to have a little yeah. air about him i guess but yeah i don't know he's very approachable i think the i think without trying to cast shade i think the other ones are more like you think they are i think goblin are apparently quite standoffish and he's a bit more personable so yeah. um unless goblin's listening we love you <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> take that away <laughs> hand hearts yeah so Ch- chances are if they're not listening we know that tommy lee wallace is right danny <laughs> <laughs> uh well i, I that ship had sailed. Yeah. <laughs> I was I wasn't doing anything other than just putting the last nail in the coffin. <laughs> I, I forgot where we're at. I don't even know whose turn it is. Is it Duncan's turn? Has he got anything else? I think he just went and it's you. Okay, well I'm gonna tell you, here's mine. Yeah. Uh I've been holding off on this one, but uh <laughs> Ania Peroni is hot. <laughs> Man. It's when she goes in that apartment room and she comes out with just the white shirt on. Yeah. I'm never going to Italy. I'm afraid of being assaulted by... If anything is... Tenebrae has taught me anything is that's the best reason to grow old. Uh, and so you, we can all reach a level of age where it is okay for us to go ah, <laughs> ah, after the younger women. Totally acceptable, I think. So I do have this. I wanted to say. I said Peter Neal yelled, "I want a rock," and he got one upside the head. <laughs> but he's still good enough to go back and shag Dario when he gets back to the apartment. <laughs> That's a man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I see Walked why his off. wife was cheating. You know the other reason she was cheating. Because he was John Saxon. John Saxon. <laughs> he was like, uh-huh, "Hey, baby, check this out." Say, so, yeah. she's, like, like, you... <laughs> she's like, "Will you take off that hat?" No way, baby. <laughs> you can keep your hat on. <laughs> you can count on my stool. <laughs> oh, that's not good. <laughs> uh, all right, I, you got anything else? I do. Okay. Daria gets back to her live-in apartment or whatever the hell she's doing and she turns on her little tv and i want to talk about this reporter for a minute okay <laughs> this guy who's got one hand in his pocket he's like 
this fruit, this yard right behind me is where uh, is where Maria Alvaredo got killed. Hey, and I'm gonna read the whole the letter from the killer right now. And he's like, well, what is this guy, man? He's 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 delivering his lies like he's like he's Paul Lind over here, and, and he's got one hand in his pocket. I've never seen a reporter do that. I don't know if it's a if it's just a, a different thing in different countries. But this guy, if you've never noticed him before, watch yeah. him because he is he's like he's like giving him a bunch of pizzazz. But, but he, he's, he's straight up like, you know, you, you don't just read the killer's manifesto on your no. report no. while you're like blase about the place where the chicken you don't have to crack a joke. Then he cracks the joke. He's like, hey, and all the politicians are going to leave town. Yeah. Back to you, Marla. <laughs> Meanwhile, Marla's in the studio going, <laughs> we're, we're toast. Claudio, <laughs> why? <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, that I, I had to mention that guy because I was oh, re-watching yeah. it. And I was like, this dude, this dude. <laughs> I, Duncan brought it up earlier, but the dog, man. The dog's yeah. amazing. The dog is amazing. The I dog mean, is the old man who died earlier on reincarnated <laughs> as a dog. <laughs> Uh, but this time he can jump over. He can jump over walls. Uh, He's been reincarnated I mean, into he, a more live body. He sizes up the fence. He goes he up to it and goes, up. and then he backs up. Like, <laughs> I think those. I think that dog attacked Remo Williams too. It was <laughs> nineteen eighty-two. Probably yeah. the same damn dog. Probably the same dog. <laughs> Be Remember one of them jumps up on the escape and the other one jumps out so that they can yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I the the dog scene is so weird because she's attacked by a dog that she, you know, that, that's barking at her, so she hits the gate with a stick and then it chases it's her. It's her down. fault. It's yeah. her fault. Yeah. She is the dog's just doing what dogs do. Dogs bark, right? If you then provoke the dog, that's on you. So. I get the feeling that dog was provoked before she hit that gate with the stick. It was already barking at her. It would have chased her anyway. At least she got a couple of whacks in when she got some safety. Well, of course, if she would have... <laughs> Here's one for you. Yeah. The guy, you know, she gets off the motorcycle, right? And tells the guy yep. to go screw himself, right? Duncan, you know like who you that do. guy You know who that guy was, right? Marco? Uh, you know what saying? Mikael Suave, isn't it? Suave, yeah. 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 So the demon face guy in demons, the guy's got the silver face. That's the same guy. Um, so yep. that's probably why she was yelling at him. Yeah, <laughs> he was like, "I'm going to put on this silver face and and, and get a bunch of I've guys got, to go I've to got, a movie theater." Yeah, I've got a ticket for. I've got a golden <laughs> ticket for a movie. If you want to go and see it, she's like, "No, I'm getting off this bike." And then I'm getting attacked by a dog and killed by yeah. 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 In hindsight, maybe staying on the bike was a better idea. Uh, she should have read a horoscope. Yeah. Yeah, you should have read a horoscope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you say that because you're somebody. I've never seen a reporter have his hand in his pocket. I'm going, no, man. Paul Burmaster from <laughs> Kentucky Fried Movie when he's standing out there doing a report. And he's uh, doing the exact same yeah. thing. <laughs> I've never seen a serious reporter do that. Okay, that's different. Oh, man, that's the, yeah. Was this guy really serious though? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. This dude yeah. was, was reporting a murder with all of the the uh, w- with all the seriousness of Robin Williams. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, 
It's like, it's like what would happen if you asked Robin Williams to just be Robin Williams for two minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's like, uh, hand in the pocket. <laughs> Try to suppress the 17 voices that are in my head right now. So, yeah. All right. We got anything else? Anybody got something else they want to say on it real fast? Yeah, just another scene here. Like you were talking about the the delectable shirt that is covering the the, the beautiful young lesbian's body. Um, that shirt is part of one of my favourite scenes ever. The straight, <laughs> the straight razor comes down and cuts it and you see her behind it with her eye is... Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Once again, it's just like every shot is yeah. just the best thing ever. But the whole build-up, this is coming off the back of this amazing crane shot that we mentioned earlier on, and the killer's actually in there. And we get we get a twofer in this one. We get a, a classic Argento woman goes through a window. That happens in almost mm-hmm. every single movie. It is brutal in this one. But, um, yeah, before that, we get a woman trying to move away from the killer. And, yeah, she pulls her shirt up as she's moving back. The street razor comes down, slashes it, and you get the, the iconic shots on the cover, yeah. artwork uh, and everything of her looking through her shirt. And it is an incredible shot. It's just like, once again, the... I think there's more just the thought process that goes into creating a shot like that is like what 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 has no one ever seen before because I can tell you right now you've never seen that shot before 1982. That's right. Ain't no director ever done that. So it's that sort of originality. Yes, it means that occasionally when we talk about things you've never seen before, you will see psychotic dogs scale 20 foot walls. You won't see that. <laughs> On the flip side, you will see setups like that where there's just a scene where you're like that that's like incredible and those the movie is full of those kind of standout scenes that you know make it so easy to remember like apart from when we're trying to remember what the letter says um but you know it's so it's so easy to so easy to recall those scenes um because he just seems to it just seems to be this movie feels like a director hell-bent Yep. On not only solidifying his position, but out to make a movie unlike anything you've seen from him, yep. which I kind of love. So, and, and like you're saying, all these scenes also make you think, right? You yeah. you try, you start trying to put it together of how you pull this off. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. So yeah, brilliant. Cool shot, man. So yeah, cool. I had to say though, when you brought up shirt a while ago, all I could think was the girl at the bar who had the yeah. shirt. It's like, are you not going to pull that up? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> But just let it all I mean, hang out right there. That's all right. Yeah, I think I think we call that pulling a Janet Jackson. Um, I'm yes. sure. I'm fairly sure that's what. Like, uh, it's like um, that's not even just a nip slip. You yeah. know, what I mean, like you can't see that that's slipped out. That's by choice. And let's also talk about this is 1982, mm-hmm. and she has walked over to that big husky guy with her shirt down, and he never even moves from the video game. That's the power. That video games had back then, man. Yeah. <laughs> she was throwing That's her best at the guy. Booze. All right, folks. Well, we're yeah. going... Oh, you got something? I was getting... Then he high fives that other guy, like, yeah. about oh, yeah. the video game. <laughs> and, and one more thing I, I got to say, and, and it, I watched it both times. This, this kind of stuck out. The part in the middle where where Johnny and Anne and uh, and and Peter are 
hanging out in the hotel room and they've got the map spread out on the floor yeah. and they're being the Scooby-Doo gang, you know, like, but look, it's not too far from here. And Johnny's over here looking like Luke Skywalker. And, you know, <laughs> it's just this, like in the middle of this whole thing, there, there are these little glimpses of like, this could be that kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it did, but it isn't, and it's not going to be, but like, you know, they, I don't know why he sprinkled that in there, but it's really noticeable. But generally, the Johnny character, the the young the young guy, would be the hero of the movie. And in yeah. our gentle movie, that would be the hero of the movie. It's yeah. usually the young impressionable person that's not seasoned, or you know, like that person would be the person that would crack the case. And he technically does, but yeah. he's. He pays the price for it. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's generally your hero in an Argentine movie. If you look at, once again, you look Deep Red, you look at uh, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, it's always the kind of the person that has traveled to somewhere else with no, like, no understanding of murder that gets thrust into murder. Peter Neal writes crime novels. So, like, right. he is the artistic type that you would usually get. It's almost as if Argento split that character in half. Yeah. to make it much more interesting, which is why the Neil character like gravitates towards murder and um, the Johnny character uh, uh, doesn't. Well, he gravitates <laughs> toward murder like, well, yes. like twice. Being murdered. So, yeah. yeah. Well, again, in hindsight, when you look at the overall ending and you know what's happening, you go back and like, wow, here was this group sitting in the floor working out these plans together. Mm-hmm. And the guy that's going to do him in is part of this group, you know? Right. Yeah. So it's just like, Wow, when you when you start putting yeah. all the pieces together, it's like he really, really went over like the his, edge. his plan, his, yeah, his plan is he's, like he's unseen, Ricky. Yeah. You could say uh, his plan, <laughs> like his plan in this is to kill. Like, see, this is the thing: Peter Neal only kills John Saxon, um, yeah. Johnny, and his ex. He doesn't plan to kill Johnny, and he wouldn't kill Johnny if Johnny hadn't worked it out. So his plan is always to kill. John Saxon, which makes him a criminal, right? Because <laughs> yeah, and he's that killing has, John I, Saxon. Yeah, yeah, he, he killed John <laughs> Saxon, whose hat did not defend him. That's the only. That's the only. Hat should give that man superpowers. Um, but his plan is to kill John Saxon and his ex under, like, under the banner of you know, there's another set of murders going on, so he can tie them back. That's all Peter Neal's trying to do. It just gets worse when. Like the other murderers found out, and he's like, "Oh no!" Uh, so then he has to expand out. But um, he was only ever going to do two. Uh, not that I'm <laughs> justifying anything that he did here, but he was- well, he wasn't only ever going to do two. But as soon as he did three, he yeah. was really only like you know broken about it until he thought it wouldn't get him out. And then yes. he started, you know, then he started. Well, okay, I'll kill everybody. Yeah. You know, well, you know, when he when he fakes his death and does the Michael Myers, I'm laying here now. I'm not. He could have left. Yeah, he could have well, left. That's the point. It, but, he but I think left. that's he, he's he's supposed to leave though. I think that's yeah. the what what I take away from the movie is he fakes his death on the understanding that the cop's going to go. He's going to get up and get out of there, but the cop then comes back too quick, right? So when he comes back too quick, you imagine he's maybe yeah. in like some other room cop comes back so then he's like right now i have to kill this cop i don't want to kill this cop but now i i have, have to kill to. this cop i have to kill this cop so yeah that's that's basically it's, it's weird because like you see he is the he is the unseen character in this one he is the guy that's having the flashbacks yeah. but it, it's like an elaborate plan to get away with a crime which i kind of love under the guise of something else 
but because he's a great crime writer, but he's not a great criminal, right? So yeah. as a result, it all falls apart for him. And when it all starts to fall apart, he's almost kind of, well, at this point now I have to do this. At this point I have to kill this guy. And if I have to kill him, if Danny Nicolodi comes in, she's going to have to die. And then I'm going to have to do this. And, and that's a thing too, right? I mean, that That's another thing that blows me away is the disappointment that's on his face. Yeah. When he realizes it wasn't her that he killed. Yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, it's a, it's literally a surprise because he was intending to kill Daria Nicolodi. Yeah. That's so, brilliant, so good, man. So good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Now that we're all agreed that it's all three of our favorite Argento movies, you're welcome, guys. <laughs> um, my work here is done. <laughs> so. Uh, well, I tell you what, man, I, folks out there listening, I mean, you've already heard Duncan. If you've ever heard him before, then shame on you because that's kind of how the show even started was him kind of, you know, prodding me on the right direction, which now he's probably going, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, man. I'm kidding. It's Hail Ming. <laughs> but, I was waiting for the Hail Ming. I was like, is he <laughs> right now? Well, my keyboard is so far away now, it's like I'm having to go... <laughs> <laughs> you need to get like like a Darth Vader panel on the front of you with buttons. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can count on my stool. <laughs> oh, so need that one on your belt. Yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, as far as podcasting goes, I don't care what anybody says. It doesn't get any better than Doug and McLeish. So you need to take the time and go check out. The bajillion episodes of podcast under the stairs. Uh, this I call him the machine. I've seen other people starting to call him that too, but I think I started that. But anyway, you were the first one. Yeah, you uh, were the first one. Yeah. yeah so. And I, nothing but but just admiration for your your just commitment to work, man. It just blows my mind how you just oh, keep, man, thank keep you. doing it. Thank I you. mean, yeah. For you. when you started, you were just a a newly you know married couple going on and now you've got two kids since then yeah. a, a movie room that would make anybody jealous that thing is awesome man oh thanks man yeah. <laughs> it's a labor of love it's not finished yet um yeah it's amazing i, I have to I have to keep building <laughs> <I'm still> building. <laughs> uh no honestly like genuinely thank you very much um a pleasure to be back here um hopefully it won't be another however many years it was between that <laughs> visit um which is just insane but time honestly just yeah. uh, evaporates and the last couple of years have, have been a blur uh but yeah it's, it's great being back here and if anyone does check out my show um off the recommendation here uh then you're listening to two incredibly wise gentlemen uh who are still like you guys as well like, let's be honest when you first started off it was an audio format you've you've taken that adapted it moved it to the next level and to be honest i see a lot of shows going the same way now so you've done your same thing you've, you've kind of you've been a trendsetter so that's that's what's about and to be honest at the end of the day it's about having fun with your friends and right. chatting about movies and you guys encapsulate the best parts of that so thank you very much for inviting me uh, on well i want you to it's gonna be hard for you to do but just kind of give a overview of kind of what you got going on right now so people can go and check your stuff out all that kind of good stuff man 
Uh, so yeah, podcast under the stairs at the moment is getting ready to close its doors for Christmas. Uh, we close on the Christmas Eve, uh, but up until that point, um, between now and the next week, uh, we've got a Children of the Corn Russian Roulette franchise retro coming up. Um, I've got a seven-hour uh, freaking director's conversation dropping this Friday. It's um, just started a brand new box set series um, on Gamera. Started another box set series on the Lindsay Baker box set that's come out. Um, so yeah, that's the the kind of I'm doing Dexter as well as at the moment the new Dexter TV show. So that's all kind of happening in and around what we're doing, plus listener choice stuff. And then I have another channel called the Teapots Collective. And on the Teapots Collective, I do a show called Where to Begin With, which every season picks uh, a theme. And then I recommend 10 movies based on that theme that I think you should watch to expand your interest in it. I've got Opera Omnia, which is a show that exclusively looks at one director each season with a guest host and then does their entire body of work. This season I'm doing um, David Fincher with Bo Ransdell, who I do Duncan and Bo Come Correct with. Um, there's Doing the Nasty, which is running through the Tier 3 video nasties with Mark Ball, who's my resident host on that one. And then Chronicle, which is about to come back after almost a year away uh, for its season four, uh, which exclusively looks at European horror cinema. And then if you want to continue on out with that, I do a, a, a podcast and um, YouTube channel on uh, metal and rock music called Metal Epidemic. And then Duncan and Bo. Uh, so if you've heard Bo Ransdell before, you know Bo Ransdell. Uh, myself and Bo Ransdell do a show that we've been doing since 2014 called Duncan and Bo Come Correct. And this season, we're looking at the painful, painful watch that is Slasher season three uh, it's maybe the one of the worst tv shows i've ever seen in my entire life so yeah wow. that's that's what i've got going on so what about jaws of shite gee was see i would get in trouble about that for forgetting that that's the what see that's the one i put the least effort into so i always forget it. um jaws <laughs> is shite and other regrettable outbursts is the name of that show it is essentially four scotsmen getting drunk talking about terrible life choices of which we seem to just keep adding to. Um, and we, we, we do weird news stories from around the world and we do listener emails under the guise of getting drunk. Um, it's a ton of fun. It comes out once a month, but uh, has been kind of off and on for the last like three months because I recently became a father for the second time and one of the other hosts became a father for the first time. So, uh, yeah, so it's been like, a, we have kids, yay. Do you want to get drunk and talk about stuff? What? All right, we can't do that. Yay. <laughs> we have to adult now. So, yeah, so Jaws is shouting another regrettable outburst. All that stuff can be found at tputzcast.com, T-P-U-T-S-C-A-S-T.com. And anywhere you listen to pods and other yeah, stuff yeah just you search it i'll pop up yeah at this point now at this point now i'm 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 i'm, I'm too like, a banana, like a banana loaf he'll pop up no, like a banana loaf recipe <laughs> filmed in a playboy <laughs> appetizing <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, got anything you want to say no just uh thanks for being with us and 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 thanks to our host or <clears throat> thanks to our guest my co-host Everybody, Everybody. thanks to War Rack and Ajax for keeping us from hurtling into space and you know War not having any atmosphere. War Rack and Ajax, War Rack and Ajax, 
for, for uh, providing us with, with money under the guise of you know, criminal enterprise. We're racking we're wrecking Ajax. Ajax. We're racking Ajax is shite. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, that's it for us. Thanks for hanging out with us. Do yourself a favor. Go check out Podcast Under the Stairs. Check out all of our old stuff, too. Enjoy yourself and have a Merry Christmas with one of the best horror Christmas, not really Christmas movies ever, Tenebrae. <laughs> have a good one, folks. We will see you later. <laughs>